0: Some people take the straight path in life. But at Arizona State University, we respect your twists and turns. They make our online students more driven to excel in their professional lives. That's why our personalized suite of services empowers you with innovative resources and staff that sticks with you. Make your next turn with one of our 300-plus programs at ASU, number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Visit us at asuonline.asu.edu to learn more.
2: If you are listening to this, then congratulations. You survived by Mageddon. Last week was a decimation of fantasy lineups with bye weeks. Maybe the worst I've ever seen, but there was still a lot that we need to talk about in fantasy football, starting with our weekly superlatives and 10 takes on 10 players. And we brought in the perfect person to help us out with them. We'll introduce him in just a moment. Then Cole and I will have a new segment we call the numbers game where we'll dish out some numbers and explain how they can impact you in fantasy. And finally, we have your questions from social media the to answer. Got some start sit questions, some trade questions, and a whole lot of fun. All right here on the Breakout Football Podcast. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network with Cole Topham of Devil's Digest. Let's cut to the chase because Cole and I, we are super excited to bring on our guest this week. You may know him from all the great work he does at Pro Football Focus. He's a senior fantasy analyst and, hey, even a software engineer. Please welcome Nathan Yankee. Nathan, it's so good to have you on, man. I am always looking at your content. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on my gosh there was so much going on this past week i'm sure Mm -hmm. your dms and your mentions are always being flooded with fantasy questions am am i right with that
1: oh yeah definitely all the time all the start sick questions all the trade questions all the responses to all the snap counts and all that stuff so Mm -hmm. i'm constantly busy
2: (laughs) how do you manage all that
1: Um, So I have a fairly nice setup I have several monitors and ones like just devoted to tweet that being on all the time so like if I look up right now I can see all the breaking news and all the people responding to me and broken down into fantasy and beat writers and
2: analytics people
1: and all the fun stuff.
2: Wow that sounds like heaven so much football going on at once I love it.
3: He's got the fantasy pros accuracy ranking trophies in the background, too. You see that?
1: Uh, Yeah, moved up to fourth place season for the season so far. So this season going off to a good start was top 10 this week. I like last minute decided to take Darren Waller out of my rankings. I'm like, I don't think he's going to play. So I took him out altogether and was like top four in tight ends, probably just because of that move. Smart moving
2: Foster Moreau, man. All right. I wonder if mm-hmm. Waller if Waller's not playing this week, which I think he is supposed to play, Moreau should be already a top 12 tight end, wouldn't you say?
1: Uh yeah. I think Moreau, if he like if he ever gets a chance to start anywhere else, or if Waller misses extended time, I think he'd be a great fantasy tight end. But just with Waller there, it's hard for him to see any potential. But I have him in some dynasty leagues, so I'm hopeful that he gets a chance sometime. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, let's start talk, talking about other players. We have a lot of players that we're going to kind of fling at you. But first, we want to get into our weekly superlatives. It's kind of the staple here on the Breakout Football Podcast. Cole and I, we each got a couple of them to name. So why don't you start first, Cole, and then you give your answer or your whatever player you think fits best, Nate, and then Cole will give his. So let's kick things off, shall we? Sounds good.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that we made it out of bye week apocalypse right i was starting like deshaun jackson and quez watkins in one league but that means that there was like a lot of outliers in your lineup so for you nate who was the biggest outlier you were putting out this week
1: oh this past week um i have i'm in one dynasty league with 14 people where we start like 12 skill players so i was starting five running backs i had both jets running backs in my lineup. That's how bad it was this past week. And I won one of those matchups as well. So, Um, and in general, in fantasy football, biggest outlier, um, Jalen Hurts comes to mind as someone who's so different from everyone else. He's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback every game he's both started and finished. And each week it seems like he's not gonna get there through three quarters. And then the fourth (laughs) quarter, he just puts it all together as scored the most fantasy points in the fourth quarter. And I wouldn't be surprised if he can keep this up and probably score more points earlier in games. But um, he's graded well at PFF. It's their defense that's been more of a problem than their offense. So I certainly hope he doesn't get benched anytime soon because I do think he's playing better than people realize.
3: Yeah, he's got the rushing ability as a quarterback too. Uh, For me, I'm going back to the ground, but the Patriots backfield, I don't know what got into them this week, but 45 points combined from Damian Harris and Brandon – wait, hold on. I'm wiping my eyeglasses here. Brandon Bolden. Versus-
1: <laughs> yeah, I also started him in that league. What?
3: That's just nuts. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think we'll see that again, but I think, I think Harris might be the best running back in the, in the AFC East. What do you, what do you think of that?
1: Um. Yeah, I'd probably buy that. Like, yeah, he's restricted to just playing on the rundowns and in Miami, we might see Gaskin playing more now that um, Brown's out, but I think he's talent wise, the best running back in the division
2: can get behind that as well you know he's probably a player i would say maybe some players maybe some fantasy managers would kind of sell high on just after this huge game you know last week nate we really dove into players we thought would be buy low players sell high players so i just want to ask you for my superlative who is the biggest buy low candidate right now
1: yeah so i have my article every tuesday five players to waiver wire ad, five to cut, five to buy low, five to sell high. So I had to narrow it down to which player I wrote about that I want to talk about. And I think Joe Mixon is the guy that I'll go with. I know he's uh, dealt with some injuries here and there. He's had two excellent weeks so far this season and then a bunch of okay weeks, but I think he can be more consistent going forward. I know this past week was particularly frustrating with uh, Samajay Piran getting so much work, especially in garbage time and scoring at that point too, since no one expected the Bengals to be up by that much late in the game. But most of the time, Mixon will be getting that garbage time work. And I know he hasn't been playing as much on third downs. He might not get that work at this point this season, but I think he'll still continue to see 15 plus touches a game and that's definitely what you want. And I think, especially when it gets to the fantasy playoffs, you'll want him in your lineup. Mm -hmm.
2: I don't know how the Bengals offensive line is, is doing it, but they're sustaining Mixon's RB1 season right now. And he just he just looks good, at least when he's healthy. Uh, so last week, I picked Kelvin Ridley as a buy low candidate, and I'm doubling down. He is a player you should 100% buy low right now. And I'm seeing lots of people saying it's time to trade him. That's not the case. He's still averaging nearly 11 targets and 14 points a game. That's fine. But like I said last week, it's a bit disappointing for where you drafted him. So you bet that there are fantasy managers out there with Ridley on their team. And he is being disappointing. He is a player that is burning a hole in a roster. And that's just how some people are feeling. So you should capitalize that. And I kind of get it, right? Like, look, he was taken as a top five receiver in some fantasy drafts. And if that's you and you are one of those players who feel like that Ridley is burning a hole in your roster, And I think you just had high expectations, and rightfully so. I mean, Ridley was a great player last season. This has been a pro-Ridley podcast since day one. Ridley wide receiver one all the way. But he's still a good player. I just think he's playing at his floor. And with the passing rates that the Falcons are implementing right now, and with the Saints, Cowboys, Patriots, and Jaguars coming up, It only makes me want Ridley more. I think he is by far the biggest buy-low candidate in fantasy. If you need a receiver, he may be kind of easy to get right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, we're only halfway through the season as well. There's plenty of time for some players that disappointed fantasy managers over the first half of the season to have a rebound of sorts, a little redemption. So, Nate, who is most likely to have a second-half breakout in your eyes?
1: Um, I think there's a couple rookies that could definitely break out, but the first one that comes to the top of the list is Trey Lance. I think he can win that starting job in San Francisco, especially how Jimmy, um, he had his worst game of the season last week. They're two and four now. So they really need to rebound. And the one game Lance did start, he ran the ball, I think 15, 16 times. And that's excellent for a fantasy quarterback. So I think he could be very similar to Jalen Hurts in that. Yeah. A lot of his fantasy value will be on the ground. He might not be um, as talented as some of the quarterbacks who are scoring a lot of fantasy points, but the way he's able to score those fantasy points, he'll be able to accumulate a lot of them. And I think he has more talent around him in San Francisco than Hertz has in Philadelphia. So I think as long as he can become the start in these next couple of weeks, I think he'll be borderline fantasy starter, if not higher over the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, certainly two questions, two quarterbacks for Nate. I'm going to go a different route and say LaVisca Chennault because this dude, people had such high expectations for him, didn't really pan out as Trevor Lawrence kind of struggled initially, and then there's been turmoil with the Jaguars. But, I mean, this dude's schedule coming up, Hawks, 49ers and Falcons over the next five weeks, as well as the Colts, Jets, and Texans. I think there's going to be a surge from Trevor Lawrence as he gets more comfortable. And Visca had 10 targets in his last game, too. So I expect that to continue, you know, high dosage of LaVisca Chanel moving forward.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been quietly seen a little bit more. I didn't mean to interrupt, Nate. It sounds like you're about to drop some knowledge on us.
1: Yeah. So, like, they recently moved him to the outside, which he's, Did both of that last year. He did both outside and the slot. And he played better on the outside. Saw more fantasy points when he lined up on the outside. To start the season, they used him a lot more in the slot than they had last season. Mm -hmm. And now with Chark injured, he's out to the outside. So I think ever since they moved him there, that made him a good buy-low candidate. And now he's starting to see the targets that he's there. So I definitely agree there. I think he's going to have a great second half of the season. Let's go. (laughs)
2: <laughs> there you go. And you know, it, it's funny because I've been a big Chenault fan, like since his days in college, I thought it was, a, it was a solid situation to be in Jacksonville too. And he seems like he got a lot of recognition coming into the season hasn't really lived up to it may. Hey, he may be the player most likely to have a second half breakout. I'll definitely hop on that train with you, Cole. And it kind of makes me look at other players who haven't really been getting that recognition, but who have been kind of performing well. So my, my last superlative before we get to our 10 takes here is who is the quiet stud? Who's the player who's been quietly performing well and kind of should deserve more recognition?
1: I think I would go with James Conner of the Cardinals. He's been running back 14 over the past five weeks. He had a slow start to the season. But like the Arizona backfield was incredibly predictable going into the season. Anytime a team adds a new player, that adds some um, chaos to what could happen with the team, but they've done exactly what you think they would. Um, they split the carries, Connor's seen more goal line work, Edmonds has been more of the receiving back. And it's just gone better than everyone expected because of how well Arizona is doing. So that means more goal line work, more touchdown opportunities. And I think that can carry on the rest of the season as well. So even though Arizona is splitting their backfield because the offense is doing so well, both backs can have fantasy value
2: yeah we've kind of seen uh you know connor and Edmonds with that 50 50 split basically doing exactly what we expected like Edmonds being more the passing down back but even then this past week he was he was the v guy in the inside the five yard line i believe he saw 100 of their opportunity so i'm curious what you think about Edmonds too moving forward
1: uh yeah i think he'll be great going forward as well like i think they'll i think Connor will still get some of the goal line work and they'll split those situations too. But I think just with how well the offense is scoring and scoring a ton of points, they will both have chances to score touchdowns. So uh, they're both good players to have in your lineup, basically any given week.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's funny because when I made this superlative, I was looking through my league waivers. Cause I kind of use that as a benchmark for uh, what players I should write for my weekly waiver wire column. Cause I do that. Every week for the draft network and then I'll always cross reference it with fantasy pros consensus ownership ratings and I was looking through the waivers and i was surprised to see that this year's wide receiver 38 is Kendrick Bourne that's low end wide receiver three territory if you're playing in a 12 man league and he's reached double digit points in four of the last Five games. Although, yeah, a passing touchdown did boost in otherwise average week seven. And he hasn't really had the most sustainable volume either. He's seen more than five targets just once all season. But what really stuck out to me was that he's eclipsed 50 receiving yards. Four times. And at this point in the season, that to me seems like a large enough sample size where we can expect him to hit that in most weeks. So, of course, there's risk with like picking up Bourne, let alone even playing him in your lineup. So, it's nice that he's averaging nearly 16 yards per catch. And then his fantasy pros consensus ownership is just at 5.6%. I think that should be way, way higher for a player who's been producing nicely and really hasn't been talked about that much.
1: Yeah, I think he's been playing well so far this season. New England's done a decent rotation with their wide receivers. I'd say the only thing that I'm concerned about is if we start seeing more two tight end sets. And I think that could definitely make things a little different going forward. Joni Smith, um, he... Uh, Saw five targets in eight snaps before getting injured this past week, and that's after like being basically a run blocking tight end over the earlier games this season. So if Smith starts getting used more as a receiver, we could start seeing more two tight end sets, fewer three or four or three wide receiver sets. So that's probably my biggest concern there. But I think he's definitely played better than what we've expected to this point of the season.
2: Definitely. And I'm sure one of these next 10 players is also over exceeded expectations. We call this segment 10 takes. So Cole and I, we each got five players written down, kind of spread out throughout the positional groups. And we're just going to ask you, what's your take on them? So Cole, why don't you kick things off as always, my friend?
3: Yeah. I mean, it seems like the dolphins are a regular headline, these days and that's what we spent the most of of the beginning of last show talking about was the quarterback situation there but Tua completed 80 percent of his passes this week or last week What, what do you think of him moving forward
1: um I'm definitely optimistic about him going forward he had his two best games of his career these past two weeks so I think he's playing very well and I think um we probably haven't seen the best of him yet he's all last year made the best of a bad situation of wide receivers constantly getting hurt in and out of lineups. So from one week to the next, it was very different which wide receivers were on the field and most of the wide receivers that he wasn't expecting. And like even this year, we haven't seen him with Will Fuller yet. That hasn't happened in the regular season, and hopefully Fuller's back soon, and we can see the two of them playing together. And I think is just getting better, and like obviously there's rumors going around that in a week from now, things could be very different, but hopefully in a week from now, he's still the Dolphins' starting quarterback and has the rest of the season to show that he deserves to be the quarterback beyond
2: this year. I've had Tua as the start in, the start in my last two start-sit columns, and then this week, spoiler alert, I have him as a sit. He's playing against the Bills' defense, so that's a tough matchup. I think a good start this week, though, could be Kirk Cousins against Dallas. Well, What's your take on Cousins for the rest of the season?
1: Um, I think he's uh, definitely played better than expectations, which maybe we should have expected it since he was playing fairly well to end last season. Um, I think he's probably still a backup fantasy quarterback for the most part, just because at the quarterback position, if you look at the top 12 players from average draft position, it's really only Ryan Tannehill that's disappointed. Everyone else is doing either what you expected or at least in the same ballpark of what you expected. So you're probably still most weeks playing the guy that you drafted but I think in the right matchups cousins can play well and especially if you look ahead to the fantasy playoffs he has some nice matchups there so even if you're set at quarterback he might be someone to look to trade for to just stash on your bench and then once the time hits put him in in the right matchup
3: and what about Javante Williams because he turned in a top 10 performance this weekend once again, a lot of teams were on by and a lot of people didn't really have a choice. But can you trust him moving forward?
1: Um, I'm not sure if I can trust him very much. It, uh, he will be very matchup dependent. I think the Broncos will continue to do this running back split that we've seen for the past couple of years in Denver, but it's carried on this year with him and Melvin Gordon. Um, in terms of PFF grades, they've been very similar this year. Um, Gordon a slightly better rusher Williams a slightly better receiver but I think they're still similar enough that they can use the two fairly interchangeably so even though we always like to see the rookie take more time as the season goes on I'm not sure that'll be happening in this particular case so I think if they're playing a good good matchup where the defense isn't very good um, they can get a lot of rushing yards then I think it's fine to trust him and especially since we're still at least seeing some bye weeks for the next several weeks. But I think in games where they are expected to be losing or there's a particularly good run defense, I probably don't want him in my lineup.
2: Yeah, well, we'll keep things moving here on 10 Takes. Talking about another running back who's also not seeing the field 100% of the time, A.J. Dillon. He's got a big Thursday night football matchup against the Cardinals tonight when there's time that this would episode would drop. What do we think about Dylan? It's not just his matchup with the Cardinals, but for the rest of the season.
1: Um, I'm not sure what to think since I'm not sure what the Packers will do with him, but I really like him as a talent wise. We saw him what two weeks ago, see his most playing time in the season got double digit carries and things were starting to look good for him. But then uh, the week after he saw his fewest percentage of snaps in the game. So it seemed like the Packers still really like Aaron Jones in the offense, which makes it unfortunate for Dylan because I think he's definitely a talented running back. Um, Just with all the issues at wide receiver, we might see him particularly more this week because they might be doing more two running back sets or trying to get both running backs involved. But I think he definitely has talent, but he's someone that I have a hard time placing in fantasy because I think I like him more than the Packers do right now
3: and Michael Pittman he's he's taken a like a substantial bit of time to hit his stride but with Carson Wentz it seems like those two have great chemistry Pittman over 100 yards for the second time this season against the 49ers is he he's somebody that's going to be a consistent wide receiver too as we enter this, this second half
1: I think wide receiver 2 maybe wide receiver 3 I think he's definitely getting better as a player which is reflected in his fantasy stats I am a little bit concerned mostly about TY Hilton I think Pittman didn't have the greatest game when Helton was back, and we saw that a bit last year where Indianapolis likes spreading the ball out to multiple wide receivers, and even though Helton isn't the same player he was back earlier in his career, he's still a decently good player when he's healthy, so I think that could be a little bit of a problem for Pittman's fantasy value, but I think he can continue to get better, and he will at least be good enough to stay in fantasy starting lineups.
2: Yeah, it's, I've got a lot of questions about Pittman, you know, because he just popped off uh, in that weird game last week. And then a, kind of another player who's really been looking good. Maybe it's because Tua's back. Maybe it's just because he's finally catching his stride. But Miles Gaskin, what's your take on him?
1: Um, So prior to this past week, I was fairly low on him just because Miami seemed from one week to another be – perfectly fine with completely changing how they're using their running backs and using different running backs more and different running backs plus. But now uh, Malcolm Brown is going to be on injured reserve for the next couple of weeks. And I think that definitely um, his injury in this past game helped Gaskin see a lot more playing time. And I could see that playing time continuing to remain high over these next couple of weeks. So I think, um, especially with the schedule, Gaskin's someone you want in your starting lineup over the next month or so, But then um, in a month from now, ideally, Brown is healthy again, just for his health perspective. And at that point, I think it'll be hard to trust Gaskin again, and especially um, the Dolphins' schedule gets a bit worse once the fantasy playoffs hit. So he might be someone that I would try to hold on to for a couple weeks, and then once the trade deadline start hitting in your fantasy leagues, try to trade him at that point.
3: So Zach and I were wondering, because – the Cardinals, their offense doesn't really use tight ends, but Max Williams he showed flashes at times. Zach Ertz he comes in from Philly, sixteen points and a score in his Cardinals debut. Are there too many mouths to feed on this Cardinals offense, or is Ertz going to have you know a, a consistent base floor that uh, like fantasy managers can rely on each week?
1: Um, Ertz is someone that I would probably look to trade right now. I definitely think he has the talent, and in this offense can do well, but I don't think he will do consistently well. Um, They like to use four wide receiver sets more than most teams, so Ertz, even though he had a lot of fantasy production, he didn't run as many routes as a lot of other tight ends in the league run, and even though this was his first game with the team, I expect that to remain true in future weeks because the more he plays, that means the less another talented player can play, so I think this will continue where Ertz is only seeing a fraction of the routes run as some of the other tight ends that you're starting every single week. So I definitely think he'll score more touchdowns. So he's probably okay to leave in your starting lineup most weeks, knowing that there will be weeks where he doesn't play very well, but there might be someone in your league that is really excited after what he did this past week. So if that person exists in your league, then I would try Mm -hmm. to trade him to that fantasy manager
2: why don't we stick with the Cardinals then because I want to get your thoughts on Rondell Moore started off the season hot then people thought hey it might be his time to shine with Ertz then coming in and ruining those dreams what's your take on Rondell Moore
1: uh yeah it's definitely been a roller coaster he played so well early on in the season that it looked like he deserved to be one of the three starters and then with uh, Max Williams going down, it's like, okay, maybe they'll just run four wide receiver sets 50% of the time and that'll be great for Moore. But now Hurts is here and the other wide receivers for Arizona are playing so well that it's much harder to get more on the field. Kirk's playing better than Moore, I would say at this point in the season. And um, AJ Green is playing much better than people expected him to play. So for a while, I thought, okay, maybe they can move Kirk back to the outside so Moore can play in the slot even though that's not Kirk's ideal position, that might be the best trio lineup for the team. But now Moore's probably um, playing the worst out of the four wide receivers, even though he's playing very well when he's on the field. Arizona just has way too much talent. So I don't think he will be on the field enough for him to have enough fantasy value. Um, If there's ever an injury though to one of these wide receivers, then I think things will change significantly for Moore.
3: So I didn't mean to jump the gun and talk about tight ends early, but uh, so our listeners who like consistency are, are going to be disappointed in us Zach for this podcast, but I completely forgot to ask you about uh, T Higgins because he had 15 targets in the win over the Ravens season high, um, kind of been streaky at points this season. Uh, is he going to be a little bit more reliable?
1: I hope he becomes more reliable. I think the injury definitely hurt him during most of his season so far. Um, I think as defenses start to focus more on Jamar Chase, that should open up plenty of opportunities. So I think um, he will play better than he has so far this season. I think he can see more targets than he has so far this season. But the schedule also gets more difficult for Cincinnati. So I think that'll make it tougher for him to see maybe the value we were hoping for when we drafted him at the beginning of the season. So I think he's still someone that probably deserves to be in fantasy starting lineups most weeks. but he's also someone that I'm not sure he will reach um, what his value seemed to be at the beginning of the season.
2: I got to say, Cole, I appreciate the transparency about jumping from tight end to wide receiver. So hopefully you can get us back on the same track here. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter. Nate's been so good at this so far. So uh, I'm sure he doesn't mind us throwing a tight end after a wide receiver here with the last of our 10 takes TJ Hawkinson highly touted tight end mostly by yours truly coming into the season what's been your thoughts about him so far and for the rest of the season
1: Uh, I've been largely happy with him so far and I think that'll continue he's um third for tight ends and targets so far this season I think tight end four in terms of fantasy production so um I don't think he's played as well as he could play I think There's the possibility of him doing more after the catch. Um, Ideally, Detroit's offense starts to play a little better. And when that happens, he can hopefully score some more touchdowns. So I think at least in recent weeks, we've seen more of like the floor of what he'll be since. He'll still continue to see a ton of targets each week. And maybe even if he's just average in terms of production for a tight end, average production with that many targets will be a starting fantasy tight end. So I think he'll continue to do well. I think you'll be happy to have him in your lineup. And I think if things go well, then he could be a top two or three fantasy tight end the rest of the way.
2: Well, there you go. Those are our ten takes, our, our weekly superlatives. Well said, as always, Nate. We listen. We appreciate y- you coming on. And like I told you before the show, I'm always looking at your content. And if for any of our listeners who want to check out Nate's content, feel free to do so on Twitter at pff underscore Nate n a t e. Yankee, g a h n k e. You got my space.
1: J-A-H-N-K-E.
2: Yep. Did I say that right? J a h. You said G i said g i see yeah. G. i'm leaving looking at it right now i saw the j well that's uh <laughs> like that's g. awkward wow ah, that's awkward well either way so grateful for having you on it's again pff underscore n-a-t-e j-a-h-n-k-e i've got to get my eyesight checked but that's nothing new um yeah we appreciate you having on man anything we can be looking out for for the rest of the week from you
1: uh, just the usual content. I have a matchups piece and a props bet piece both going up on Friday. And also, if we have a minute, we could talk about some trade news that just happened recently. Mark Ingram was traded to Whoa. the Saints.
2: Whoa, breaking news on the Breakout Football podcast. Yeah. Let's go. What what do we think that means? I mean, just like another running back insurance, Texans didn't really need anything. What's your instant reaction? Yeah,
1: so I think from – I have no idea what the terms of the trade are at this point. I'm sure by the time this is out, we'll know the terms of the trade. But um, I think for the Saints' perspective, they've had injuries to running back, so they need someone to go with Kamara with – obviously with how much Kamara has been doing. He basically carried the team this past week. So I think they definitely want to be able to give him a little bit more rest, and I think from Houston's perspective, I think Houston knows they are probably not going to make the playoffs this year, mm-hmm. and I think they've done this before where they've traded uh, veteran players for draft picks, so they're better suited for future seasons. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Philip Lindsay ends up being the primary runner for them going forward. So he is probably a waiver wire add, someone to get later in the week if he hasn't been as involved, but. I think that's definitely a situation to watch because whichever running back ends up being the primary ball carrier out of Houston should be someone probably worth having on your fantasy rosters.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you think Camara fantasy managers should be worried right now or it's just more depth? Than I,
1: yeah I wouldn't be worried like it might mean he only sees 20 touches per game rather than 25 touches per game which yeah hurts his value a little bit but that means instead of being the second best running back in fantasy football maybe he's the third best going forward or something like that so not too much (laughs) to be concerned about but with the injuries they've had to their backup running backs it makes sense that they want someone to make sure Kamara doesn't have to have 25 to 30 touches a game so yeah for me
3: I, I I get scared when I just see like a bell cow in the running back position for a team, because I know, like, that dude is getting all the workload, all the touches, but also, like, all the hits. So, I mean, Camara mm-hmm. had a 34-point bomb. Like you said, he basically carried the Saints to, to the victory Monday night. So, I, I'm glad to see he's getting at least a little bit of pace work so that the Saints can preserve him for the second half of the season.
2: I, I'm just like, so appreciative that we finally got news to break on the podcast obviously this will come out tomorrow morning which in full transparency it's a wednesday afternoon uh but this will drop tomorrow morning and people will hear it and be like oh wow there that's what happened in real time so how about that breaking records on the breakout football podcast (laughs) thanks for bringing that up yeah no problem yeah and as always like we said you are all welcome back here anytime you want at pff underscore N-A-T-E-J-A-H-N-K-E. That's where you can find them. Yeah, you got beautiful. MySpace, LinkedIn, Google+, Plus, whatever. All, all there for you. Appreciate your time, man.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks again for having me. Have
2: a good one, guys. Man, it was great having Nate on. And that is still so cool that he – I don't want to say, like, live breaking news because by the time you're listening to this, it will not be live. But I guess instant reaction, that's that's a podcast milestone right there. I'm checking that off the box.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's like every football kid's dream to have, like, that PFF before or after your name. <laughs> and so it's, it's good to, ha- to at least be affiliated with someone with that with that milestone. Mm-hmm. in their career as well
2: yeah especially for someone as as awesome and as so kind as nate like he, he he was fantastic he he was great we've never spoken before until like a week or two ago when we started planning this out he was so helpful and just like i'll do whatever and so he he's awesome man definitely go check out his stuff as we keep the ball rolling here on bfp on the believe podcast network introducing a new segment we call the numbers game Cole and I each have two numbers, and we're going to explain to you why they're important and what it means for you. Cole, as always, please kick things off. What number are you pulling out of your back pocket first? Yeah,
3: I've got 948. 948. And that's to do with Cortland Sutton. It's his air yards, not his receiving yards, his air yards. But that just shows you like the opportunity this guy is getting in Denver, the clear cut wide receiver one there. And the fact that he's been able to be the wide receiver 17 on the season and despite a big chunk of those yards like not going his way. It it just goes to show that Cortland Sutton is a guy that's getting a lot of targets, a lot of opportunity. He's Teddy Bridgewater's clear-cut number one option, and it doesn't really seem like the Broncos are all that eager to cut loose with Teddy and and opt for Drew Locke anytime soon. Sure, like Teddy, he's had his, his struggles, right? He's thrown three picks, I think, over the last five games. So there's a little bit cause for concern, especially since Denver is slowly slipping out of the playoff race. But I think Sutton is is going to be a reliable option moving forward. Like I said, there's just a lot of opportunity. The air yards prove it. And so, as we near the trade deadline, Sutton might be a little little sneaky option that you can add in, in those trade packages and to you know shake up your roster.
2: That's interesting. Are you concerned about Jerry Judy coming back? He started practicing today, and he could return. And when they designate him for uh, their next game, you think Judy's going to impact Sutton or maybe vice versa at all?
3: Yeah, I think I think he might. I don't think Judy really impacted that first game all too often, though. And I think if if it's anybody that it impacts, it's Noah Fant because I think Teddy is is more competent to you know air it out to to his wideouts. I think there'll, there'll be a decent you know chunk. Of, of throws headed both Sutton and Judy's way.
2: Hmm. That's a good point. All right, well, that's a good way to kick off the segment. My first number is 49. It is not the team in San Francisco. Rather, that is the Browns target rate to their receivers. The Browns target their receivers 49% of the time. That is the second lowest rate in the league. Now, technically the lowest is the Falcons with 41%, but that overlooks Patterson and Pitts as de facto wide receivers. And look, it's not an outlandish stat. The Browns are targeting their wide receivers at such a low rate. We all know this Browns offense is centered around their run game, but to me, This further devalues Jarvis Landry and more importantly, Odell Beckham. Landry's role kind of opens him to be the security blanket of that passing offense. I can't really say that about Odell. It's bad enough that he's averaging just 6.6 targets a season, but to catch fewer than half of his targets, I'm really not buying Odell right now. I think the only hope for his resurrection in fantasy is more passes and better passes. That's not going to happen, especially with an injured Baker Mayfield. It's just not a good time to have any Browns receivers on your team right now. And if you do have them on your team, I would try to get them off immediately.
3: Yeah, no, I'd agree. It's, it's really unfortunate what's going on in Cleveland. And I, I just think the injuries are an insult to that. I mean, it's only going to, you know, break down that team cohesion even more. But you mentioned 49% lowest rate in the league. How about 40.7% for Debo Samuel? That's his target chair alone for week seven absolutely ridiculous this dude is the 49ers identity their offense wide receiver five on the season but I think as we near the trade deadline Debo isn't really someone I think of as like a team's wide receiver one he seems more like a wide receiver two and yet he's putting up wide receiver one numbers and I'm wondering like, if that identity is, is consistent with you, Zach, like, do you think Debo is, is, is a wide receiver one at this point? Because I just, for some reason, my brain just can't put him in the same category as, I mean, I know Hopkins isn't, isn't performing up to, up to speed, but like Je- Justin Jefferson or Devontae Adams, like for, for me, I just can't put my brain around Debo Samuel in that upper echelon, right. that tier.
2: I think that the real, the barrier in that is because when we think of like Adams or Hopkins, or really this year, it's Adams, Cup, Mike Williams, Jamar Chase. I think the thing that kind of separates them is how they're getting the ball. Because Debo's dot his average depth depth of target throughout his career has been pretty low. And last year, they kind of treated him like the, I wouldn't even say the wide receiver, more like the, the short receiver or like even even a running back so yep. i kind of get where that like barrier is but hey points are points and more importantly targets are targets and samuel's getting a lot of them so if he, I would, he's not someone like i would look to trade if somebody's selling him like yeah why not i do wonder how trey lance's arrival is going to impact them because it seems like everyone mm-hmm. on the niners fantasy value took a step back when lance entered the field because all of a sudden that's he is their offense or at least that's kind of how the offense is built when lance is there. You agree?
3: Yeah, no, I definitely agree and and I'm wondering like when Ayuk is going to get involved cuz I feel like mm-hmm. he's going to get involved at some point and yet he just remains in the doghouse. It's complete fantasy enigma to me. But I mean like I said if if you can somehow break into that mindset and and find a way to get Debo on your roster, then I would I would pull the trigger on that because Oh my gosh. Like he, he is putting up insane numbers with an insane amount of target share each week. I mean, George Kittle is still on this offense too. And that's, that's the thing.
2: And he's coming back. He is supposed to return uh, this week, or at least he returned to practice. So it's saw something about that. I'd have to fact check. Well, either way, let's keep this ball rolling before we get into your fan questions. As always, a lot of starts in and a whole lot of trade talk, but first, my final number 20.3 that is the number of fantasy points allowed per game to tight ends by the jacksonville jaguars Yeesh. That, that is the highest rate in the league and when i created this segment my goal was to find actionable advice i wanted to to give somebody a number and say look this is why it's important but this is what you can do from that number and seeing that mark andrews and darren waller are on a buy this week i think this could make gerald everett a good streaming option and really any tight end to the jaguars play for the remainder of the season so yeah my number is 20.3 and that's the most fantasy points allowed per game by the jaguars and i've kind of been a big advocate of diving deeper into the numbers for all we know look you can see that number and say well maybe they've faced the seven best tight ends in football spoiler alert they haven't the best tight ends they've played as determined by total points this season for each player Mike Kosicki, Noah Fant, CJ Uzoma it's not exactly a Pro Bowl lineup five tight ends have scored double digit points on the Jaguars though and that includes those three tight ends as well as Durham Smythe and pharaoh brown yeah this week they get everett he's kind of a deep sleeper i know he's not really the most involved player on this team but you look at what this offense has become without russell wilson a little more play action more emphasis on the short intermediate game and not just because gino isn't russell wilson you know he doesn't have that depth of, of the passing depth he doesn't throw the ball so well down the field so they kind of got to adjust and Everett is in a situation where he can be that short to intermediate blanket aside from a player like Freddie Swain who by the way is really coming to his own this season but anyway the point is you kind of look at what the Jaguars are also pl- facing beyond this week with Dawson Knox, Mo Alley Cox, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts and Tyler Higbee their values are immediately getting bumped up because they're playing the Jaguars And by the way, for what it's worth, I also do like tight end matchups. The Texans at 19.1 points per game. They're the second most fantasy points allowed to tight ends. A noticeable margin above the third. So I think Higby, who plays Houston, can have a huge week too. But I really just wanted to focus on good streaming options at a position where people may need one and it just so happened that the jaguars had a nice pretty number sitting there so that is my final number for the inaugural numbers game segment we like to rotate this segment keep things fresh but i thought this was a really good one to have with nate too especially coming from pff and what they do so that was a good conversation to have throw in some numbers some more data data however you pronounce it I, i think that went well yeah. Well, yeah.
3: I mean, as someone who loves to punt the tight end position every single year and just kind of, you know, play my cards at the mm-hmm. position on on free agency and the waiver wire, I think this is great advice. I'll be targeting the Jaguars and Texans in the future. Uh, I mean, some of those names you mentioned are most definitely going to be on lineups already, mm-hmm. but a lot of those names are floating around the waiver wire. So I think I know where where I'm going after this podcast. <laughs>
2: There you go. See, already actionable advice working its toll. You know what this means? We're coming to the end of the show. But we got your fan questions and boy, do we get a lot of them so hard whittling it down to five. Maybe at some point we'll have an all fan Q&A podcast, maybe after the season. But for now, we just have five. Why don't you kick things off? Read this first one from TikTok.
3: Yeah, from Luca Peta 16. Should I get rid of Aaron Jones or keep him?
2: Look, I'll never advocate for trading a top fantasy running back, but Jones is the overall RB7 in total points. But he's RB12 in points per game. And you take away his enormous 41-point performance in week two, that gives him just a 12.9 average. That would be RB20 in points per game. And he's averaging just 65% of team snaps, kind of on par with what we saw last year, while A.J. Dillon's averaging 32%. And on the surface, that may not sound good, but it's perfectly fine. Jones is a clear RB1 in Green Bay, and Dylan is, yeah, still a thorn in his side. And yeah, I do think both backs can have a good game Thursday night versus the Cardinals. Their schedule, pretty moderate moving forward. I just think the big thing for me, and I know I say this every single week on this show, what's your situation Are you a good team that should package Jones for a clear upgrade? Are you a struggling team that should sell Jones for a pair of starters? Do you not really need Jones, but you need another position, so you want to do a one-for-one type of trade? I think those are crucial questions because, to simply put it, no, I don't think Jones is a player that you must sell. I don't think he's a player you should really trade. But everyone's situation, everyone's league, it's all different. Jones's value. Like all players is different based on how much value Jones's fantasy manager places on him. I know I sound like a broken record, but I just had to get that off my chest. So I don't think Jones is someone to trade for. I don't really think it's someone to really trade away. Just kind of hold him, kind of keep him. Unless you can get a clear upgrade in him or you need to start winning games, you need to start selling your players.
3: Yeah, and if if you're in a standard league two running back flex – I feel like it's almost a necessity every single week that you get touchdowns from at least two of your running backs. And the beautiful thing about Jones is he is clear-cut the guy for goal line work inside the five, inside the 10, that A.J. Dillon isn't stealing those carries, right? And so I think you can know – have that security that when those opportunities come Jones is going to convert, you know, he may not have the most gigantic rushing totals like he did earlier this season, but he's going to get that work. And sometimes that is just enough to push you, you know, over your opponent for the week. You can't be relying on running backs that have streaky performances and don't find the end zone. So I think that's probably one of the more consistent factors about Jones that I'd say is the reason why you should Mm -hmm. keep him.
2: Right. And I know he had a dud performance in week one followed up with, I think, the best fantasy performance for running backs all season, maybe Sans a Derrick Henry performance. And just having that type of consistency is so valuable. So you make a good point. This next question coming from Instagram, Pablo Ramirez 14. He just asked CMC question mark. So what are your thoughts on McCaffrey right now?
3: I mean, I, I feel like we answered this question either last podcast or two podcasts ago, but, I mean, the dude is the most valuable fantasy player when he's on the field. And I, I just think CMC question mark, that that that's my take on it, right? Like, I just don't know how you can see it any other way. I don't know how you can even fathom trading him or, or finding another option at running back when he's healthy and catching as many passes as he does.
2: Mm -hmm. I like that you answered a question with the question (laughs) that's good and there's a lot of uncertainty with McCaffrey my thoughts on McCaffrey is similar to what I said about Aaron Jones and that if you're a bad team with McCaffrey yeah you should sell him now and get players you can start you can't really afford to wait for your team to suddenly explode and then ball out if you feel like you're in a good place though I'd say keep him. That reward can be huge down the line. And if your team is doing well, you can probably afford to wait. Personally, though, I'm kind of with you. I'd feel a bit concerned having him. It's like what I said about Saquon Barkley last week. McCaffrey's durability just simply concerns me. He was supposed to come back then instead he went on the IR. And now we don't know when he's going to come back. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's a few weeks after that. So I'm probably more eager to trade him than I was with Barkley. But again, it really depends on your situation. And I think, if anything, the big takeaway from this is that you should never have the first pick in your fantasy drafts. I'm always saying that don't take the first pick, because if you lose out on that player, he gets injured. Oof! I think a lot of teams are at the bottom of their leagues right now, probably took McCaffrey first, if they still have him.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's just one of the downfalls of having the number one pick. You got to hit on it. Otherwise, you kind of put a hole in, in your roster early on. Mm-hmm. Next question is from another one from TikTok. How do you feel about Chase Edmonds? Mm-hmm. I can start with this, Zach, if you want.
2: Yeah, go for it. It's a good question from Embruck15. I just kind yeah. of got to let my thoughts simmer a bit. So the floor is yours, my friend.
3: Yeah, I mean, Edmonds was a guy I liked heading into this season because I thought he had a pretty defined role as a receiving back, but he was also going to see time as the the primary rusher and James Conner would be sprinkled in situationally. And and for the most part, I think through like the first four weeks of the season, that was true. And then James Conner, you know, started to rack up the the red zone carries, started converting and then earned himself a a bigger role in this offense. But when you look at Chase Edmonds, you know, attempts, I mean, I think he was also hurt in weeks five and six.
2: Yeah, he's banged
3: up. He's he's getting consistently around the 12 to 13 touch range. Just the problem is the dude doesn't convert on touchdowns. He has zero total touchdowns on the season, and yet somehow he is still running back 19. I think that's just due to his his pass-catching workload. And also, I mean, he is a pretty effective runner against the Rams four weeks ago. He had 120 yards on 12 attempts. That's 10 yards per carry. So he is efficient. He just – isn't going to rack you up, you know, those 6 points every single week that. I already mentioned earlier can push your lineup over the edge.
2: Mm-hmm. I think the big thing to realize about Chase Edmonds is that, yeah, while his production has noticeably decreased following the first four weeks of the season, I think largely that was due to him battling an injury and positive game scripts. Like like you said, weeks mm-hmm. five and six, they were not kind to him, but he was uh, dealing with something throughout the weeks, so you know in practices, he was questionable leading up to the games and then that designation got dropped. But in week seven, He was a full participant in practice, I think, from Wednesday on, and that led to him seeing a season high in 15 carries and 69% of team snaps. That's pretty damn nice. And he did it all in a positive game script. But what really stood out to me and should stand out to you, too, he saw 100% of the Cardinals opportunities inside the five yard line. That's supposed to be James Conner's role. Edmonds was a Mm -hmm. clear RB one on Sunday. And of course he and Conner are still splitting time. Neither one is really ever going to be the the bell cow back in that Arizona offense. But Edmonds has really been playing at his floor, which in itself is just a solid flex play. And on top of that, like you said, he has yet to score, but when so infuriating, Oh my gosh, it's so infuriating, but I'm excited because it's going to happen eventually It has to, he's a player to hold or maybe, maybe buy a bit low.
3: Yeah. I mean, I just think he's due at some point he's, he's bound to just break off on a, on a long Mm. gainer, or maybe the Cardinals just try and get him rolling with, with one carry from like the 10 or, or the eight yard line or something.
2: They have been so good at manufacturing touches, even just to Zach Ertz and Rondell right. Moore. So I think they'll find a way to get Edmonds into the end zone. Next question, another trade question before we get another start. Sit one in here from TikTok, Michael Ostroer, O S T R O W E R. Want to make sure we get that right, you know. Uh, trade Deontay Johnson to get DJ Moore. What are your thoughts?
3: Deontay for a uh, wait, hold on.
2: Deontay for DJ Moore.
3: For DJ Moore? Yeah. I think DJ Moore. You're dealing with more consistent quarterback play in Tennessee. DJ Moore, I I feel like he has a more favorable schedule moving forward. I don't I don't That's, know. This this is this is tough.
2: You, you mean in you know. Carolina, by the way. I could tell you you were thinking of AJ Brown, that You said, Dude. I've got
3: three players in my brain now. <laughs> uh, okay, so Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh. Okay, DJ Moore, Carolina. Okay, uh, we, we Zach we got Cohen, it. We,
2: Draft Network. Cole yes, Top. yes.
3: Colt and Devil's Digest. Okay, glad we got our <laughs> positions filled out. I don't know. I, I have Deontay at one of my lineups, and I've been pretty impressed with him so far. Obviously, couldn't play him this week because he had to buy. But I mean, I feel like if you're if you're happy with your lineup the way it's situated, then why change it? You know. <laughs> Like and for that. me, like, I, I'm content to, to see, like, Deontay's role in my lineup as, as sort of the I, – I think I select him as the wide receiver three, wide receiver four. Mm-hmm.
2: I I agree. I think the biggest thing, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I'd rather have DJ Moore, I think, in that situation, but it's not as close as you think. I will say I have been asked more about DJ Moore than Any player this week, so that's why I had to get not one but two questions about him in here, and you'll see what that one is second. I think he's a great buy low candidate. He's averaging nearly 11 targets a game. He's a massive target share in that offense. Here's the thing. You can say the same thing about Deontay Johnson. But in the last four weeks, Carolina, though, has thrown the ball slightly more in terms of neutral pass rates. I think it comes down to strength of schedule. And, man, is Moore's remaining schedule delicious. From week 11 on, he'll face teams with these rankings and fantasy points allowed to receivers. 32, 30, 27, 2, 25, 24, and 25 again. Obviously things can change. I never want to put too much weight in the strength of schedule, but I think we've had a large enough sample size to really realize which teams are legit and which teams have been flukes and think about it like this too. I really think there's a chance more can be in for a huge uptake in production to end the season, because I think he's playing closer to his floor right now. So I think I'd rather have him than Deontay Johnson, but it's close. I think if things are going well for you, there's really no need to make that lateral type of move.
3: Yeah. And also at this point, if, your uh, high wind team and your fantasy league, you got to start thinking, okay, which players am I going to play in my, my critical weeks, my playoff week. And so what, what are the, what are the games that you mentioned that are going to take place in that two week stretch at the end of the season?
2: Uh, Oh man, I don't have them written down. I just have, but I know for a fact they get the, they get Tampa Bay again, they get Atlanta again, they get new Orleans. Hmm. Either way from week 11, either on, way, so, those are
3: beautiful matchups. And, beautiful, and so beautiful. Yeah. DJ Moore, right. He, he might win you your fantasy league is yep. what we're trying to say.
2: And for what it's worth, because I remember while we're on the topic, of this, maybe we'll do something about this for our next week's show about like, you know, team players are target for the playoffs. I saw mm-hmm. something today and there was one quarterback above the rest who has the most brutal schedule for fantasy quarterbacks. Can you guess who it is?
3: Is it, is he currently in the top five?
2: He is <laughs> these playing teams that are top five top six top seven of fantasy points allowed not good you had to guess i don't know
3: dak maybe mm-hmm.
2: right division jalen hurts Jalen. oh really fans. yeah that's going to be crushing for fantasy managers who have him, or for ones who trade for him uh so we'll maybe talk about some of that strength of schedule stuff next week, looking into the playoffs, a little foreshadowing. We'll get into the last question here from Instagram, Hunter underscore champion, but the, the a is a four very clever Hunter. I can see why you are in fact <laughs> a champion start DJ Moore or Deandre Hopkins. Uh, Moore is playing. Who are the Panthers playing a why can't I think of it? Why Falcons. was it not written down Falcons? Thank you. Deandre Hopkins yep. is playing Thursday night against the Packers. You have any? Uh, you leaning any way for these? Because honestly, I think both of them should be in the lineup unless it's it's got to be like a four team or eight team league here. <laughs> yeah, I
3: would agree with you because D Hop is facing depleted Packers secondary. Falcons secondary is pretty much Swiss cheese at this point. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like I'd lean more just because of of D Hop's usage. Fal- or, sorry, not Falcons. Cardinals are spreading the ball around. Uh, there's opportunity for, you know, A.J. Green to have a blow up game or yep. maybe Rondale Moore sees more touches than usual. And that impacts Hop's production. I feel like Moore is, is pretty much cemented. Like I think he has a floor that you would feel comfortable with each game. And plus, this is a favorable matchup. So you'd expect Sam Darnold to take advantage of that.
2: No, more definitely seems safer. I mean, he's seeing more targets, he's seeing a larger target share, he's got a better matchup. I do think D Hop has more upside because, you know, he's DeAndre Hopkins. I'd probably play more, though, but if you feel your lineup isn't great and you may need to spark, D Hop isn't bad. But again, like, I'm curious what the rest of this lineup looks like because they should both be starting. I can't really fathom a, a world where those receivers are guys who you want to keep on your bench. So, those were our final questions. And this has been our week eight show. I can't believe we're in week eight. My goodness. It was like just yesterday, we were wondering how much money we should spend on Tyson Williams on the (laughs) waiver wire. You know, it's crazy how time flies.
3: Yeah. uh, That Tyson Williams, man, he flamed out pretty fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And now the Ravens are just using basically every good running back from 2014 left.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Essentially.
2: Yeah, they must have. They must really be hoping they can fall into some time travel because they're not getting anything out of their running backs anytime soon. Then again, you don't really need a good running back when you have Lamar Jackson. So that offense has definitely been fun to watch. And we hope this show has been fun to listen to. As always, you guys know where to find us. We're, we're everywhere. Every social media platform on the book at Zach Cohen, FB Z A C H C O H E N F B, at Ham Analysis. Yes. That type of ham? Well, technically not, but you know, it's top them. So, is it home analysis? Is it home analysis?
3: No, unfortunately. I mean, I thought it would be a nice little play on my last name, but it basically ends up people mispronouncing it more than they than they get it right. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe after college, I'll change the at when I need to be a little bit more professional. Just change it to the classic, you know, first name last name. But or or maybe I'll find something that's a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, suitable.
2: Outside of your family, have you ever met someone with your last name before?
3: I have actually not uh, not outside my state, but there was like this one lady that worked at <laughs> this is quite a bird feeder shop because <laughs> my during uh, during COVID my family was like super into bird watching and, and just like my mom was at the house all day and, and she'd be doing work and, you know, taking care of my dog and they just like sit together. She'd like read some documents. He'd watch the birds and, and they'd, uh, you know, th- that was, that was their COVID pastime. And so obviously to watch birds, you need bird seeds. So we went over to the, uh, the bird feeder shop and the person there, we had never met before, you know. I think there's some connection down the line, but had the same last name as us Topham, T O P H A M. So wow. just a little, little like fluke incident like that, but no people where yeah, I that is like immediate that you can connect to if, if you know what I mean.
2: You, your ancestors were probably fly, uh, sailing here on the Mayflower or something together, you know. <laughs> anyway if you did stick around this long i'm so sorry you would have listen to all that but more importantly please drop a review for us on every podcast platform you can think of whatever one you're listening on it do it right now seriously leave the show review come back and get the final like 35 seconds or whatever is left so we can sign on out of here i'm zach cohen of the drop network that's cole Topham of devil's digest this has been our week eight show that's all i gotta say i'm out
3: Yeah, yeah, catch them dubs, baby.
0: As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks?